0: Hello everyone, welcome to What is Covenants Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry, with Dave Clay. I had a counselee come in, I think it was yesterday, and uh, for those of you who <laughs> may or may not have, sat down with someone such as myself in that particular type of circumstance or situation. Uh, may or may not be familiar with what I'm about to say. But on the front end of it, it's chatty. Uh, It's not that I don't know the person. It's true some people I know more than others, working with them longer. It may not be a matter of time though. Some people are just more open and available. But you have to begin somewhere and every session begins somewhere. And so it's a bit chatty on the front end. How have you been? What's going on? It's sort of like, how's the family? How's the kids? How's the dog? <laughs> Which brought up the point. <laughs> at least at this moment in the podcast, the point I'm trying to chase down. And with that, then the counselee says, oh, we have to get rid of our dog, Fido. <laughs> And I say, oh, why? And then they remind me, and we've talked about this before, because they're really destructive. They tear up the house. It's not that the dog's a mean dog or that we're mean to the dog, but it's a big dog. We're in a house, and we live in a neighborhood, and we really don't have any room for the dog to run. And so the dog's not really very happy and certainly very frustrated by not being able to get outside and run. And so we found this wonderful place seven for the dog. It's a farm. The dog's going to get the run on it, and there's grandkids, and it's just perfect. I said, okay, well, at least that headache is (laughs) sort of not going to be there anymore for either the counselor or the dog. And then she proceeds to tell me, and we got another one. (laughs) I thought, okay. This one, she assures me, is much more hospitable, or at least the environment is much more hospitable. That's a good match for neighborhoods and not being able to run much and uh, has great disposition. It's a beagle. (laughs) And Then all that goes with beagles. Those of you who own beagles, usually there's some hunt thing that goes on with beagles. That's what they're renowned for. But they're also renowned for being very, very sweet and kind animals. And they have a younger daughter. And so it seems like a perfect match. And then I asked the question, well, where did you get this dog? (laughs) It's sort of like all of a sudden appeared. Well... We went to, and gave me a pet store. I said, I didn't think pet stores sold dogs. They all know they're selling dogs. And then I asked, well, how much did you pay for the dog, if you don't mind me asking? And she paused for a moment. That was for dramatic effect, by the way, the pause. And then she said, with her eyes kind of squinted together, $2,000 and I said $2,000 trying not to appear again too incredulous I can't believe that Uh, but the dog has and then she proceeded to give me all the pedigree and in that then all that made the dog special and with that then assured me it was well worth the price. 1 John, chapter 5, beginning with verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. I want to read verse 10 again. He that believeth on the Son of God hath witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not that the record, or not the record, that God gave of his son. And then John proceeds. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence. That we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now, you may question the relevance of the brief story on the dog and the pedigree and to the extent to degree that I don't want to make any undue comparisons of humans to dogs, I would like to at least draw this, make this point, draw this, not really distinction, or make a distinctive statement that I do think brings some comparison, rightful kind of comparison. You really have a pedigree. I I don't want to take that in, say that in any way that takes away from the relevance of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. But I do like dogs and I think obviously as much as humans may share also the common dimension of being as much anything in the same physical sort of, I guess category as animals I don't think it's a bad one and since I admire dogs if you will indulge me, I think pedigrees are important. Especially if you're looking to maybe understand what is in you. (laughs) It's really something God put there. And not that we're his pet, (laughs) in any way, shape, or form. We're much more than that. But God loves us. And he has an intention for us. And even though humans are of animal sort of category. I don't think it takes anything away from that notion that in the same sort of manner that God even bestowed animals with certain natures and characteristics. He's given us one. And what is that? I'm going to go again in verse 5, back up to verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begot loveth him, that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Read that again. Verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. It's not whoever. (laughs) It's not in the sense of a person a name of a person or an individual, or as with personality, because with person, it's whatever is born of God overcometh the world. Now, again, I don't know that it necessarily has anything to do with beagles, but I do think that the beagle really doesn't have a choice. And though this beagle had a name, or has a name, it's not Fido, by the way, it's Sophia. Sophia really doesn't make the beagle who the beagle is. The beagle is who the beagle is. We attribute a name to the beagle, the dog, because we have ideas, maybe some of what we want the dog to be. We need to name it something. As with distinction, again, in this way, not commonality, but distinction between us and them, or at least for the sake of when their name is called out, then at least hopefully the dog will know you're talking about, I think it's as with Sophia, her. Uh, but it may be my counsellor is calling for her, her husband or her daughter. So there's importance in that, all I'm trying to say. Identity can be important. But I don't think this passage that I'm reading now or the one I read earlier in the podcast really is speaking so much to the person as it is to really what God has put in us. We attribute that after the fact. We see it and begin to understand it, begin to realize it, and then we begin to name it. Adam did the same thing. God allowed him to do that. Nothing wrong with that. It's just that we're seeing it from the outside, whereas God has already put it in. And it, in this particular case, is the whatever is born of God overcometh the world. Dave Clay, me, does not overcome the world. It is Jesus in me that overcomes the world, and though Jesus is in always, for everyone, it is not everyone, though, who chooses to receive that as in believeth in the name of Jesus, or receives Jesus in faith, courage, believing that that is in them, sufficient then for that to manifest itself outwardly. I'll go back to Fido. Fido was not going to be a happy dog because the circumstances, those things that were from the outside that were placed upon the dog, Fido, was not conducive to the dog being what the dog was God created. The dog was sort of established from its creativity, from its point of creativity or, or origin or creation to be. Now, fortunately, my counsellie recognized that after quite a bit of struggle. I believe she said the dog tore up her house. She was very upset. She restrained herself. Didn't want to get rid of the dog. All these kind of reasons. The daughter loved the dog. There were reasons. But still, there wasn't a good match. We're called for something much more than this world. We're never going to have a good match. God has put his spirit in us. And that is the whatever. It's not whatever in the sense that the Holy Spirit isn't with gender. (laughs) We'll get there in a moment. But with the Holy Spirit, even so, if you make that a gender statement as with identity, even so, He, he, the Holy Spirit, is not necessarily so much a He as He is. God, but can you put a definition on God? I mean, can you make God a man or a woman? I know the Holy Spirit inspired the Word, and the Word put God within the context of a male, and I don't take anything away from that. But all of that was for us (laughs) and our best understanding. But I don't know that once we get to heaven, Jesus says that, don't you know when you get to heaven, they're not male or female, They're not even married, which doesn't take anything away from gender or marriage. It's very sacred, the institution. But we're seeing it as through a glass darkly, and we're seeing it on this side, the material side, trying to catch a glimpse of the spiritual. And it's very difficult to really understand and comprehend because we don't have thoughts that are as high or as high as God's, and our thoughts are bound to our natures, which are kind of dualistic. We're speaking to that. There is this divine Holy Spirit in us. But until we get to a certain point, age of accountability, where we recognize hey, wait a minute, <laughs> there's something else in me. Hey, wait a minute, it looks like Jesus. Hey, wait a minute. That's what's in me. It's Jesus. Oh, hey, wait a minute. I need to accept Jesus as my Lord. Oh, I got it now. And give them the permission for that, for him, to manifest himself. But we have to define it with what we know. And what we begin with isn't, it's innocent, but it isn't a perfect understanding. That's what the whole 1 John, the book of 1 John is about. The epistle, the letter. John's trying to say, it's about love. You're starting in transactional terms. You don't understand love in this greater sort of way. You don't even understand the capacity, capability that you have in you in love to overcome all of the perils of the world. And we get hung up and in disbelief or denial Even as we would then see Jesus, we not only grieve the Holy Spirit, but we can grieve the Holy Spirit to the point of blaspheming the Holy Ghost. That's Apostle Paul, by the way. So, going back to Scripture. 1 John 5, 5. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. Jesus was human. He had at least human form. And in that way, he had a dualistic nature too. There was a material element to Jesus. I think John's capturing that. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness. Because the Spirit is truth. But more than water and blood, John's saying, the Holy Spirit was there. Now, at what point did Jesus come to awareness of the Holy Spirit? Well, certainly when Joseph and Mary lost him along the way. He wasn't lost. They lost him. They lost sight of him. And they went some distance without him. Eventually, had to come back. They found him in the temple. And he was speaking word, as in wisdom, that was beyond certainly his years. I think 12, something like that. But I know even in, his, in Mary's womb, and even as again, there was a witness. He, the Bible tells us he got overshadowed or with Mary was able to impart in that Holy Spirit way this pedigree. And this, as with the Holy Spirit, is the witness. But if we deny the witness, if we deny that that is in us, if we never get past ourselves, if we never come to an admission, I think there's always a realization and there's always a choice that we have to make then we can grieve the Holy Spirit and with that, blaspheme the Holy Ghost and with that, commit an unpardonable sin. Verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water And the blood, and these three agree in one. So, even with God, there's a tripart, we call that tri, three part nature. There is Father, the Word would be Jesus Christ, and then finally, the Holy Spirit. Jesus, as with human dimension, had personality. I believe John chose, rather than to say, the Father, the Jesus Christ, or Jesus the Christ, and the Holy Spirit. He chose the Word, not because Jesus wasn't the Christ, the Messiah. But that it was, again, more important to move it from the dimension of even the person of Jesus. Not because he wasn't God, or the Christ, or wasn't perfect in that. But even in Jesus, the word was preeminent over the personality or the person. It is important that it was Jesus. It's important that we recognize Jesus. Then it's important that we recognize, oh, I get it now. He's the Christ. But even more important it is that we recognize the word was in us. It is the whatever is born of God overcometh the world. It's not the whomever or the person. It is the Holy Spirit in us that gives us the power to overcome whatever it is that the devil's trying to do to destroy us. And in that to find our liberty and freedom. And in that way there is a distinction between us and animals, particularly dogs. And I love dogs. Dogs are wonderful. Except when you put them in situations that they are not, again, adapted to or created for and a house in a neighborhood for Fido wasn't the right match. I can, however, because as with, again, the Apostle Paul, I've learned to be content in whatever situation I'm in, and I recognize, unlike Fido, that I am going to have my liberation. Fido did get his because of the farm. That was probably as close to heaven as Fido could get but my liberation is not going to come from anything in this world. My liberation is, however, going to either be given unto me, and I'm going to receive it, or as it's given unto me, I'm going to receive it, but if I should reject it, then I'm never going to experience it. And though the Holy Spirit is never at loss or lost, I'm lost. I get lost. And even so, I, the person David, am not secure in Jesus the Christ, sufficient that the Holy Spirit would be able to shew himself, King James, show himself not only to me, but in witness, but as to witness to the world. And then I'm going to go to the passage read earlier. Verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. But the record isn't in anything material except that God would have given his word. And then only because, as with love, we can't even begin to comprehend it until we discover it. And then once we discover it, we discover, oh, I thought it came from another person. No. It comes from God, and God put it in me. And should we not forget, John makes a big deal about that in 1 John 1 as well? We love because he first loved us. We all of a sudden begin to discover it's in us. We just need to believe and then stop fighting against it. And I'm going to jump forward to verse 16. If any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death, and that would be also, I believe, speaking John was speaking of love. That's forgiveness. It's grace and mercy. And John's basically saying, if you see anybody sin, and it's not intentioned, It's not blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. It's not such the hardening of the heart. It's not the state of such disbelief that you're an agnostic. Or that you don't believe in God at all. Which is really, if you don't believe in God, you don't believe in love. You can try to pretend it's love. But love is not selfish. And it's not about you. It has to be about Others first and then you discover that in it being about others first and you loving them even as God first loved you, then you discover that love comes back to you because in that way, only that way, even as Jesus the Christ went to the cross in the name of love, did that as an act of love. That's how it's set free within us. That's how we believe because Jesus did it for us. And we understand now what that was about. And all of a sudden, because we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and believe it upon his name and his witness, even in a man-men sort of way. But the greater witness is that we all of a sudden discover it. It comes out of us. He opens, we open, I suppose, the door by opening our mind, or at least allow entry in. But he comes in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man shall allow me entry in, I shall abide with him and he with me. Jesus comes into your heart. But what he discovers in your heart, and maybe more so what you discover in your heart, that Jesus then allows you to see, as with discovery, is that the love is there. It's just now two or more are gathered together in the name of Jesus, and there's amplification. (laughs) It can exist within you, he. The love can exist within you, the Holy Spirit, But unless you do the second of the two great commandments and love others, you're not going to see the manifestation of that in the way that certainly God intentioned it. And you will always be denying yourself something that God all along has wanted you to have. It's the promise and in that promise is eternal life. If any man see his brother sin in a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Why? Because at that point, they've been given over (laughs) to the devil. They are indeed the the son of perdition. And as much then there would be anything that would... Evidence that someone is there, you still love them, but you can't change that. They've denied Christ to the point where they've crucified him and have hardened their heart, even as the devil in the day of provocation. And with that, then they have no pedigree left. (laughs) They've grieved it, they have no conscience. All righteousness, verse 17, is sin. And there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is, now it's a person, not a whatever. It's a whosoever is born of God, sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding, not out of our head, out of our heart, and we are in him that is true even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. There is a sin unto death, and that's blasphemy of the Holy Ghost that would be, Holy Spirit, that would be then the denying of this whatever that I read earlier that overcometh the world. But if it's in you, then anything and everything about you is intentioned and inclined, even so, to manifesting that. But when you allow the corruption of the world to steal that from you, then what you've basically done is you've chosen to remain in that corrupted state and given the Holy Spirit no opportunity to help you or assist you in overcoming simply because once presented the example of Christ, certainly Jesus as a person, but recognizing he was the Christ that he was even as we establish the witness of the three-part God and then manifest water, blood, but more so even spirit, and you choose to deny him, then what you've basically done is you've actually found yourself in a position of such a hardened heart or will find you in such a state of hardness of heart that there is no love. That God's Holy Spirit cannot or does not even abide in you. You have thoroughly, totally crucified the Christ. Now, do you do that from the very beginning? No, but someone, as with the devil, through someone who is a whomsoever, a person, has somehow harmed you in such a way or lied to you, cheated you, stolen from you, all attribute of the devil, to the point where you start to greet the Holy Spirit. And then with that, you go further and further on that road to perdition. You genuinely then can become not a son or daughter of your father, God, but even as Jesus accused the Sadducees, the Pharisees primarily, of being of their father, the devil, he wasn't saying that as only with personage. He was just acknowledging what I believe John really appreciated. And how do I know? Because of what he was writing or as the Holy Spirit inspired him to write to us, not only us, but certainly as with epistle for any that would have read it past, present, and hopefully future, but he concludes it, and I didn't read it, the last verse, first John. Verse five, chapter five, verse 21, "Little children, keep yourselves from idols." What he's basically saying is, you have to make a choice, somewhere along the way, for Jesus, because there is a moment, maybe of critical mass. Or if you don't, you lose, even so, that conscience. You lose, even so, your right to the kingdom of heaven. You lose, even so, what God has put in you by grieving the Holy Spirit to such the extent that he can't. Now, do I believe that you can do that without some element of hope one day of resurrection? I am not going to condemn anybody to hell. And I am certainly not going to pretend like I have the power to make that judgment. But you can tell pretty quickly those who crucify Christ. You can tell pretty quickly those who don't believe any longer in love. You can tell pretty quickly when it's all about self and not about others. You can tell pretty quickly when they're not abiding in royal law, which John articulates in 1 John love. But love is two parts. It's the first great commandment as Jesus presented it. to Love God with all thy heart, mind, soul. No, there is a God. There is love. Love it. Love him with all thy heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And then love others as you love yourself. But if you can't do that, love others? If you can't practice the royal law, then that's really what John is saying. It isn't that the first isn't important. It isn't that the Old Testament isn't important. It's that you bear witness of your actual condition or state of heart with whether or not you love others. And if you should be doing it out of yourself then you cannot do that with sufficient integrity. There'll be always, maybe it's behind closed doors. Maybe you're good enough to keep it secret. Maybe you can pay enough people off. Maybe you're up to synagogue of Satan. And there's a bit of collusion where people are going to cover for you and try to trick those that might otherwise be able to see it for what it is. But in the end... The judgment is you're not going to be able to love others. But even with that, it isn't that the pedigree wasn't there. It's the choice that each of us have to make for Jesus that makes that distinction. Now, are you going to be always perfect at it? That? No. That's what there is a sin that is not unto death. You're going to make mistakes. But you know Jesus, the Christ, Is the example in human dimension, but also dual nature, divine, that God isn't intentioned to send you to hell or get mad at you or uh, in some ways punish you because you made a mistake. Just confess it and ask for forgiveness and in Jesus' God forgets about it. You're learning, you're maturing, you're growing, you're overcoming the world. We're all weak at moments. We all need help and assistance. Covenant, specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling ministry. We all need assistance at time, whether it's from someone like myself, family, friends, pastor, church, other believers in a more general sort of way. But if you don't make the choice for Jesus, then obviously you're not going to be able to really abide in forgiveness because you're not going to forgive. And if you're not abiding in forgiveness, even as the Old Testament has called your awareness to that, even as the Old Testament, as with the first of the two great commandments, has told you what it looks like because otherwise you don't know what love is except that you would know what it isn't all the hell that life would be or is without love. But if you continue to persist in hurting other people, harming other people, killing other people with your words, not God's, not exempling by loving others as you have now come to love of yourself, then that's not the royal law. You've disqualified yourself I don't have to worry about judging you. You've judged yourself. And I just have to pay attention and see it. But I'd like to believe everybody, even up to the moment of their death, has an opportunity, physical death, has an opportunity, bodily death, has an opportunity to accept Jesus. So I'll just keep presenting the word (laughs) <laughs> why, would, why would I want any evil to come out of me? I've already dispensed with that. I've already lords <laughs> That's not right. But if I practice what I preach with integrity myself, and it's in Christ Jesus, that whole sin thing, I don't have to worry about it in the same way someone who's denying Jesus because the judgment of God when it finally comes to the bearing of fruit, when it finally comes to what is the white throne judgment for all of us to experience, I I want my name to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's what, sincerely, Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry is all about, is to point out it's in you. You don't have to make it happen. You just have to get out of the way. And whatever it is that somebody has done to you, lie, cheat, steal, whatever the devil has done <laughs> that he's constantly at work trying to do to dissuade you from believing in love, I want to help you <laughs> believe in love. I want to show you that love and I want to encourage you with the word so that you rightly know. But don't look for God to punish you Look for God to (laughs) set you free, send you to the farm, let you run and play and enjoy the grandkids. And should you even be the beagle, (laughs) Sophia, maybe you're okay in that situation because your constitution is just a little bit different. But when it comes to humans, as again difference between us and the animal world, God's given us his spirit. It's more than anything that any animal has, but it should not be so different because it's all about life, but we have a choice what we're going to do with it, and with that, we represent the highest order of that on earth, in earth, in material dimension. We should abide in that, and even so, grace and mercy follows forgiveness But if you can't receive that in the way that God's intentioned, or if you're going to fight against him and end up fighting against yourself or fight against everybody else, don't expect that to be good as far as outcome. But even as I counsel that, that should be enough to change your life. Jesus can change your life. The words of life are manifest. The word of life is manifest in Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is life. And that's what you're going to get if you come see me. Or anyone that's associated or works within, or ministers, I should say, within Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. On that, then, should you want to get a hold of us, go ahead, reach out to us covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com you can call 304-528-9220 you can find us online at covenantsonline.com you can also find us on Facebook at Covenants but you can also come back to the podcast and should I never get a chance to speak with you individually or personally that's not what The podcast is all about. I just want to let you know we're there if you need us. But more so, I just want to share the word with you. Not my witness alone, but in that as it stirs up the gift in you, the Holy Spirit's witness within you. And should that be the result, which would be my prayer, then I want to invite you back. To our next edition of What is Covenants? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Dave Clay. Until then, be blessed. Thanks.